In your precious name, Jesus, amen. Go into speed scare you. Hey, Jim. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, you may be seated. Mr. P, where are you at? Tom Pasquarella. Somebody, that thing is blinking up here, and I think it's about to run out of batteries. <laughs> so, we're going to be talking about the resurrection this morning. We've read a lot of scripture already about the resurrection. And um, we will have, uh, as I was studying this week about you know, going through the whole Passion Week, I just thought about all the events that that took place, and it struck me of how that we often look at the the crucifixion and the, the trial and all that stuff. We look at it as just a like a paragraph in Scripture, like a pericope, just a paragraph, a little section of Scripture. And I was trying to say, well, I was reading it, and I was trying to figure out how on earth am I going to cover all this material? Okay. Because all of these things, you know, it could just take weeks just to look at each little paragraph. And as we, as I thought through those things, what, what, how am I going to do all of this? And I was really undecided how on earth I was going to, I couldn't keep y'all here for a week or for two days to go through it. So I finally decided, since it's Resurrection Sunday, we'll just talk about the resurrection today. The resurrection is probably the most important event to ever happen in Scripture. In all of the history of the world, the resurrection is the center point. The resurrection is the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Eve in the garden where he said that I'm going to bring a savior for the world. It's the fulfillment of that. Of crushing the serpent's head. Crushing the serpent of sin. Then as I was looking at it, I was looking at the crowds and all the different players in the, in the Passion Week. You know, you see Pilate, he was trying to get Jesus off the hook, but he didn't. And you see the Jews, the Pharisees, and the scribes, and the, and the Sanhedrin, and all them people were trying to murder Jesus, but they wanted to pass the blame to someone else. They were looking to, for people to be witnesses against Jesus. And they couldn't find any. They made up all kinds of lies 
and cast them and told them that they were against Jesus, but none of them stuck. So it came down that Pilate said, okay, we're just going to crucify this innocent guy, this innocent man. And then the people, he, he gave it to the people. He said, what's the people going to do? Maybe the people will let me off the hook and say, Let's, let him go. But the people, all the people that were there cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And when I thought about that more deeply, I realized that many of those people that were in the crowd had received healing from Jesus. If they didn't receive the healing, they knew someone that had. And I thought about the, the healing that Jesus done was creative acts. And what I mean is, is that if there was a blind person, he didn't just go rebuild their eyes. He gave them new eyes. If they were missing limbs, he gave them new limbs. He created new limbs on them. For three years he did that and he walked up and down Israel healing every day. And John says that if there were books written about everything that he did, the earth couldn't contain them all. So the few miracles that we read about in the Gospels, that's just what they are, just a few. Because he was daily preaching and teaching and healing people. And Israel's not all that big. It's maybe 150 miles long, and the area that he covered was maybe 20, 30 miles wide. That's not very much. And he was going from town to town and meeting people. People were following him, coming. They was hearing about the things he did. And they were coming in droves to see Jesus. And yet on that day, they said, crucify him. Crucify him. And I couldn't help but to see myself in that crowd saying the same thing, crucify him, crucify him. And if it wasn't for the work of God in my heart, I would still be saying it today. But for you, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, I beg you, to turn to him in repentance and faith today. <clears throat> and it's a true saying that Jesus said that, you know, when he raised Lazarus up and he was talking to uh, Ezra, or um, Lazarus, uh, the rich man was talking to Abraham and he said, if you'll send Lazarus back and to my brothers, 
surely they'll believe someone that's raised from the dead, come back from the dead. But Jesus said, even if one comes back to dead, they won't believe. Because if they don't believe Moses and the prophets, they won't believe a dead person made alive. And that's true. Because when people are healed, when their dead eyes are made new, they're given new eyes and they don't believe, they want to cry out, crucify him. Or if they're lame and they have new feet given to them, those are dead parts made alive. But yet the crowd said, crucify him, crucify him. Pretty soon I'm going to start. <laughs> Today we want to look at the resurrection, and we want to look at three evidences of the resurrection. And those three evidences that we'll look at will be testimonies, three testimonies that are given in Scripture about the resurrection. The first testimony will be the testimony of the empty tomb. The next testimony will be the testimony of the angels. And the third testimony we'll look at will be the testimony of eyewitnesses. There were many people that saw Jesus raised from the dead. And we'll take all the Gospels, all four of the Gospels, all give an account of the resurrection. And each one of them gives that account in their own peculiar, particular way, special way. And the, and the eyewitnesses, they gave their account. As John MacArthur says, they gave it in, in a state of shock. A state of shock and trembling and frightening because every time you read in scripture where someone saw an angel, they were all afraid. They were all afraid. Every time. Oftentimes they just fall on the ground like dead men and we'll see that today. When they see an angel. So, Today, since we're going to read Matthew or Mark's account of the resurrection, he gives the shortest account of it, uh, which is one reason I want to look at that. And we'll kind of blend in or we'll bring in the other Gospels and try to see if we can figure out a timeline how the resurrection, after the resurrection, took place. So if you'll turn in your Bible to Mark chapter 16... We'll begin reading in verse 1. <clears throat> and when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother, mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, who shall roll us away the stone for the from the door of the sepulchre? 
And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in long white garment, and they were affrighted. They were afraid. <clears throat> and he saith unto them, Be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here because, behold, the place where he, they laid him. But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth, that he goeth before you into Galilee, and there shall, there shall ye see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher, for they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. So the first thing we see there in that first verse is that it was the Sabbath day. It was after the Sabbath day. What is the Sabbath day? We often think of the Sabbath day as um, being on Sunday, but actually the Sabbath day is the seventh day of the week. The Sabbath day is Saturday. And, <clears throat> and Jesus was crucified on Friday, and the Bible says that he was in the grave for three days. So his, he was tried, he was betrayed, tried, and crucified, and buried all on Friday. And just so that you'll know the biblical day, if you looked at uh, the Genesis, the book of Genesis, it tells us that the evening and the morning was the first day. So when you think about a day in the Bible, a day starts at the evening and goes through to the morning until the next evening. That's a day. So when it gets dark, when the sun goes down, that's the beginning of a new day. So Jesus was buried on Friday. He is in the grave on Saturday, which was the Sabbath day. And here we are with these ladies coming to the sepulcher. They come into the tomb on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, which incidentally is the reason we meet and worship on Sunday is to remind us of the resurrection. <clears throat> and Sunday, Mary Magdalene got to the tomb while it was still dark before the other women. So apparently these women had agreed to meet at the tomb on Monday morning or Sunday morning to anoint Jesus with these spices. How did, how did they know where to go? Well, if we backed up a little bit in Mark, we'd realize that when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took Jesus off the cross and buried him, that those women followed them to the tomb. So they knew where they were going. They knew, even though it was dark as they were going, they knew where they were going. So they possibly agreed to meet at the tomb on Sunday morning, and Mary Magdalene got there while it was still dark. If you turn over in your Bible to Luke, or John chapter 20, you'll see where the scripture tells us that. 
John chapter 20, verse 1, says, uh, The first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, early, when it was yet dark, came into the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. So you see, Mary Magdalene got there first, and it was still dark. But look in the verse 2 there and see what she does. It says, She runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and the other disciples whom Jesus loved, and that's John, and saith unto him, They have taken... They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. One important thing I want you to notice in this verse, these verses is that they came with spices to anoint Jesus. So they didn't believe in the resurrection. Even though Jesus had told them many, many, many times that he was going to die, he was going to be lifted up, and then he was going to rise again. Even though he told them many times, they still didn't believe it. Because if they had believed it, why would they bring spices to anoint his body? And the reason they, would bring the, they were bringing the spices was to mask the stench of a decaying corpse. You know, someone said, what can a dead man do? stink and that's what they thought that's what they had, they've learned all their life they saw that the bible was true and god's word was true when he said the day that you eat of this fruit you're going to die and men have been dying ever since and women have been dying and boys and girls have been dying ever since but jesus comes along and he tells them many times, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. But I'm going to rise again. <clears throat> the women, the, the, these women, these particular women began to follow Jesus. You know, they've been following Jesus for a long time. Back in... Uh, if you look back up in Mark uh, 15, verse 41, it says that uh, there were also women looking on afar off. Among them was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the less, and Josie and Salome. In verse 41 it says, Who also, when he was in Galilee, followed him and ministered unto him and many other women which came with him unto Jerusalem. So you see, these women have been following Jesus for a couple of years. They've been serving Jesus for a couple years. So they were like the disciples. They had been following along, and they, they heard all the preaching, and they saw all the miracles that Jesus did. They've been following for a while. Mary Magdalene was one of the one that Jesus had cast out demons. And Mary, the, the mother of James, uh, James, the, we also know him as Alphaeus. He was one of the disciples. And Salome was 
uh, the mother of James and John. They called them the sons of thunder, the wife of Zebedee. And they brought sweet spices to anoint Jesus' body to overcome the stench of a dead body of Jesus. They did not believe the resurrection. Jesus said many times he was going to die and be raised from the dead. Jesus said at the beginning he would die. He said, destroy this body and I'll raise it up again in three days. And some people, in fact, that was one of the things they accused him of at the trial before the high priest was that he said he was going to going to tear down the temple and raise it up back up in three days. They took what he said out of context. He said, destroy, you destroy this body and I'll raise it again on the third day. And that's in John chapter 2. Uh, why did they bring spices? Because they did not believe the resurrection. Mary Magdalene arrived before the others and saw the stone rolled away. She looked inside, but she didn't see Jesus. So she turned away and ran to Simon Peter and told him, said, they've taken the body away and we don't know where they've taken him. She did not believe in the resurrection. The soldiers, they saw the empty tomb. They were eyewitnesses. We read that, someone read that this morning, that the Jews, the, the religious leaders went to Pilate and said, you know what, we heard this guy say that he's going to be raised up on the third day and we think that the disciples are going to come and take his body away and claim that he was raised up. So we want you to give us some guards to guard the tomb. And Pilate said, go make the tomb as fast as you can. And they sealed it. And they guarded it. And what happened? What happened was that sometime during the night from Saturday evening, that we would call it, while it was still dark in daylight, there was a great earthquake. And the stone was rolled away. And an angel that looked, his countenance looked like lightning and is dressed in white clothes. And he sat on the stone. Now I want you to know that that angel didn't come down there to let Jesus out of the grave. That angel came down to open the grave so that they could see that it was empty. And when those soldiers, those guards saw the angel, they were so afraid they just fainted. Some say that they were in a coma. And when they woke up, the tomb was empty and the angel was gone. So they went and reported it to the, to the high priest because that's who they was in charge of them to watch the tomb. 
And when they went to the high priest and reported it, they said, you know what? We were there. We were guarding the tomb. There was an earthquake and this angel came down. And we were so afraid, we just fainted. We just fell on the ground like dead men. And when we woke up, the tomb was empty and the angel was gone. And all of that happened before Mary got there. And what did the Jewish, the leaders do? They gave them a large sum of money and said, this is what you, we want you to do. We want you to lie. If anybody asked you, we want you to say the disciples stole the body away. And if the governor hears about it, don't worry about the governor because we'll take care of him. The governor had already been coerced by them to crucify Jesus in the first place. Some call him a coward. He wouldn't do the right thing. We're talking about Pilate. The soldiers saw an empty tomb. The earthquake. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, it's kind of an interesting thing. I thought about that. When he gave up the ghost, the earthquake, there was an earthquake then. And the earthquake was kind of different than a normal earthquake because the rock just split. Can you imagine how hard you have to shake a rock to make it split? I couldn't help to think about that, those verses in Colossians that says, all things consist because of Jesus. All things consist. And it's my speculation that at that moment that Jesus died, just for a nanosecond, Maybe less time than that. Jesus wasn't holding things together and those rocks just split on their own. I don't know if that's true or not, but something interesting to think about. Why did rocks just split? I can see rocks falling and splitting, but just rattling around on the ground splitting, that's a powerful thing that happened. But anyway... Back in, um, the soldiers saw the uh, tomb empty. And another thing, that the religious leaders never denied the, the resurrection. In fact, when they insisted that Pilate give them guards to guard the tomb, that was probably the worst thing they could have done. Because now they have guards there that saw the tomb sealed up. They saw Jesus in there. And if it wasn't for their bribery, the, the soldiers would say, yep, he's in there. But if they hadn't insisted on the guards, then they could have just said, you know what? The disciples came and took Jesus out. He didn't raise up from the dead. 
So in their effort to try to discredit Jesus, they actually proved they were a witness to the resurrection. Mary and Salome, when they got to the tomb, they saw that it was empty as well, back in Mark 16. <clears throat> and as they were walking towards the tomb, they said the women were talking to each other, and they said, How we gonna, who's going to roll the stone away so we can anoint Jesus' body with these spices? Who's, who's going to open the tomb for us? But when they got there, they saw the tomb was already open. But they went inside. <clears throat> and in verse 3 it says, And they came, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulcher, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were affrighted. And he said unto them, Be not afraid, be not affrighted. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen, he is not here. So now they see for themselves that the tomb is empty. And they're getting witnesses from angels saying, He's not here. He's risen. He's risen. He's not, someone just didn't come and take him. He is risen. He is risen. And it goes on to say in verse 7, it says, But go your way and tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. You notice there in that verse, he specifically calls out Peter. The Lord wanted Peter to know that he wanted him to come too. Because Peter was in a really bad way. Because he had denied the Lord three times. And the Bible says that he went out and wept after the cock crew after the cock crowed. And he was still, the Bible says they were up in the room, they were still mourning and weeping for Jesus. They didn't believe in the resurrection either. So the Lord wanted Peter to know that he wanted him to come as well to Galilee. Pretty powerful thing. And they went out quickly, verse 8, they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. They fled because they were afraid at seeing the angels and what was going on. For they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. How many times has it said that they were afraid? They were affrighted. They fled. The eyewitnesses. <clears throat> um, then the disciples, John 20, verse 10 through 18, it says, 
Then the disciples went away again unto their home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. She seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus was laying. So the disciples came there. They, they saw the, the tomb was empty, the sepulcher was empty, and they had all left. They went back home. But Mary Magdalene, she's back again. She's there by herself. She's perplexed. She's weeping. She's mourning for Jesus. She's having trouble believing that he has risen. But then she looks inside and she sees two angels, one sitting at the foot and one sitting at the head of where Jesus was laid. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. Even though she's standing with angels, she still can't believe. She can't believe. And when she had thus said, she turned her back and saw Jesus standing and knew not it was Jesus. So she's standing there, she's talking to the angels, and she goes out of the, the sepulcher. She turns around, and there's a man standing there, and it was Jesus, but she didn't know. She didn't recognize him. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me thou hast where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. She's still looking for dead Jesus. In verse 16, she says, Jesus said unto her, Mary, she turned herself, and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. She recognized who Jesus was then. She recognized that Jesus had indeed risen. Verse 17, it says, Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father, and to my God and to your God. And Mary came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And I want you to consider what Mary had done there. She waited for Jesus. She waited at the tomb. She waited. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, 
I want you to come to the cross. I want you to come and look into that tomb and see that it is empty, that Christ indeed has risen. And I want you to wait on him. I want you to turn to him in repentance and faith. Cry out to him like the, the publican did. He said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he beat his breasts. If you don't think Christ is calling you, he is indeed. This is an opportunity for you to come. To return to return to turn to him in repentance and faith. And if you have trusted Christ, I want you to rejoice that Christ is indeed risen. He is risen indeed. Folks, he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Let's stand, let's pray. Father, again, we, our hearts are rejoicing at a risen, at a risen Savior. Father, we thank you and we praise you and we honor you that you have fulfilled your promise to redeem people. Father, we thank you that we can just turn to you in repentance and faith and you'll save everyone that comes. You said in your word, all that come to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Father, we thank you and we praise you for that. And we ask that you would do that work that only you can do and give new hearts. Save many people at the hearing of your word today. Your word is being preached in many places today. Father, we ask that you would just magnify your word and save many people. And Father, we just thank you again and we praise you and we honor you and we worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we'll sing our last song. about the hope we have in Christ because he lives. <laughs> 